Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Anybody excellent? Like on a scale of one to ten, you're like at a nine today. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right, awesome. All right, anybody like at a four? We can pray for you. No? All right, good. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming today. All right, I've got a ton of announcements that I want to get through, so it's going to be really important that you grab a bulletin. If you haven't voted, today is our voting day, too, so make sure you head out there, grab a ballot. We're going to be voting for our church board and, and different positions. You have to be a member and 15 years of age to vote, though. Or you can... No, never mind. I'm not, not going to go there. All right, uh, but worship bulletin, if you would, make sure you, you notice some things. I had mistakenly told Jim Maurer that we were going to start back his uh, Bibleship class on June 2nd after we're getting done with The Chosen, but that's going to be actually an all-church picnic at the pavilion. We're calling that grilling at the pavilion. We're going to have a devotional all together as a church family, eat, and then um, have some games and everything for the kids and, and everything. Then starting next week after that, June 9th, is when we go back to our regular Wednesday night classes. So we have classes for children. Our youth teens are going to be meeting and starting back up. And then um, our adult classes. So make sure you are just aware of that and mark your calendars. Now, I'm going to ask for some help. Here's, here's how it usually goes. I ask for help, mention some things that we need help with, and nobody responds. All right? Can you seriously consider some of these things and, and let me know if you can help out with some of these things? So before the pavilion, we're out there. We need to clean the grill, just kind of clean up the pavilion and tables and everything like that. So if you can help with that, that'd be great. All right? How many of you guys run a lawnmower at home or mow your lawn? All right. We need people to mow the lawn here at the here at the church, all right? Um, we are down to two guys that do it. We try to get a different person each week, so that way not one person is doing that. So if you can ride a riding lawnmower, it's a zero turn. If you can do that and help out, um, see Lee or Kevin, all right? See Lee or Kevin about that. After the service today, we're going to be planting flowers. If you can go home, change your clothes, or wear the clothes that you're in and help out with that, we would really appreciate it. I think if we get some good, a good number of people out here, we can knock it out pretty fast. So, and we're also going to buy you lunch. So if, if you're good with pizza, we're going we're gonna to do that. Um, I also have an opportunity to mow a lawn in town for somebody. So if you have a Saturday free that you can go out there and mow, it takes half an hour to an hour, um, just a regular lot. If you can help out with that, see me and let me know that. I think that's it. Oh, nursery workers. We need people to be nursery workers too. We're down one for one week. So if you can help out with that, um, that'd be great as well. So those are the things I'm asking for. All right, if you can do that. If you're a nursery worker, you got to go through a, uh, some training, background check. We, we are very careful with who watches over our kids. But if you can help out, I would just appreciate that. All right. Uh, I'm so excited because Shirley's here today. Shirley, I think, has been a member for like 60 years, right? 60 years. 59. 58. All right. I'm rounded. So we're, we're glad to hear. We have a member here that has been uh, a member for 75 years, and that's Russ. And I hope we get to see him back someday. But in your bulletin, there's a list of people who have been here a long time, and you can congratulate them and, and tell them thank you for the seeds that they planted, right? Those seeds that were planted 
long ago. So thank you, Shirley, for all that you've done and continue to do. Shirley uh, is a person that always is sending out cards and encouraging people. That, that's her gift, right? And I know I've been blessed by that, so, so thank you for doing that. Um, thank you also to everybody that came out for the worship night last night. We raised just at that event $400 for Carol Newcomb. Yeah, right? If you don't know, Carol lost her, lost her place that she was living in and everything in a fire. And the community is coming together and trying to help her out and raise some money for that. So if you want to still give towards that, you can. We'll pass it on to Carol. But she was actually here too, and we were able to, to bless her and, and uh, pass on that money. So just, I, I just wanted to say thank you for that. But the rest of the stuff, read in your bulletin. Check that out. Make sure you don't miss anything, and um, be a part of what God's doing, right? All right. Um, we are doing a, last thing that I almost forgot, we are doing the dinner for um, um, Deb Akers, yeah. I want to say Deb Smith, yeah, but not, not, not Deb Smith, yeah. But um, Brenda Pittenger and Deb Akers, longtime members here as well, and Deb went and passed away. So we've got a sign-up sheet if you can help out with food. We're going to pass this around. I'll start it down there and just keep it passing around and if you can help out in any way we would appreciate that i'm gonna need some guys to set up tables because after the funeral we're gonna set up tables and um, they're gonna have a dinner too that we're gonna provide for them all right would you stand with me let's pray father i just thank you for today thank you for the privilege of of being a part of this church and being a part of what you are doing Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Father, would you help us not to be uh, the kind of community that just focuses in on us? But would you help us to be the community that focuses in on, on those that are not in these walls, those who, who need to hear the good word, those who need to hear testimonies, those who, those who are in the pit and need a way out, those who just need a helping hand up, those who are overlooked, Lord, those who are marginalized, Father, would you give us those opportunities and take that responsibility seriously? Lord, guide us in what we do. Father, help us all to be serving, every one of us who calls us, who calls this their church. Help every one of us to find a place to serve in some way and to build the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray for this service that you would have your right of way, that you would speak through the singers that you would watch over the sound, have everything to run smoothly, Lord, so that we can just turn our attention to you and give you all the praise and the worship that you're due. Lord, we, we bow down before you. Father, be glorified in everything that we do. In your name we pray, amen. sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory
Beside me. 
from 2 Kings 2, verses 1 through 15. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elisha and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethlehem. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. 
So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took off his coat, rolled it, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion from your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha said to, saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from from Jericho, who were watching, said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Thank you, Adrian. I I conned her in, or I didn't tell her how much she would be reading. (laughs) Just asked her if she would read, or if somebody would volunteer. Would you, uh, would you pray with me as we honor God's word and ask it to speak to us? Father, I just thank you for, for this reading. I thank you for your word that you give us. It is a light unto our feet. It is a, a light that lights up our path. Lord, speak to our hearts. Soften our hearts. Lord, speak through it. Challenge us to look more like you. Lord, we give you all praise and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Uh, today is normally a day where we pass out our, our books and tell you what we've done and everything like that. We're going to be doing that a little bit later. But I wanted to use this as an opportunity to preach because some people will be stepping up into leadership positions that have not been there. Some people will be continuing on. And so I kind of wanted to speak to them in a way. I know, too, that God calls each and every one of us. And so I want to speak to you and and, and give you some advice and, and how to accept that calling and how to move with that calling. I think there are a lot of people that, um, or a lot of times that God calls us to something and we end up giving up on it for the simple fact that we don't want it bad enough. I'm speaking to myself. Uh, I'm speaking to those in ministry and, and those in life. Uh, that's what I want to speak to us about. God gives us a dream, uh, and sometimes that dream doesn't come to pass because we just don't want it bad enough. Maybe difficulties, maybe opposition come against us, and we end up backing down. We don't follow through because we don't want it bad enough. How bad do you want it, church? How bad do you want it? How many of you know who Michael Phelps is? Michael Phelps, big-time Olympic athlete, swimmer, right? Most decorated Olympic swimmer, maybe even the most decorated Olympic athlete, I don't know. 28 Olympic medals, 
23 of them gold, right? This, this guy's got some hardware, got some, got some gold on him. Let me tell you about his training, all right? Do you know how many calories the typical person is supposed to eat in a day? What's that? 2,000, somewhere around there, right? When he's in training, his caloric intake was 12,000 calories a day. 12,000 calories a day. Up until he retired in 2016, that's what he was eating. For breakfast, Phelps ate this. See how I, I can pack away a lot for breakfast, all right? See, see how well you would do this. Like when I go to Joe's, I usually get the lumberjack, you know, and I can, I can eat all that. But Phelps ate three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, fried onions, and mayonnaise. Three fried egg sandwiches. Drank two cups of coffee and then ate a five-egg omelet. Five-egg omelet. Oh, we're not done. A bowl of grits, three slices of French toast with powdered sugar, and three chocolate chip pancakes. That was his breakfast. That, I'd split, right? For lunch, Phelps ate a pound of pasta. Do you know how much a pound of pasta is? Pound of pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches on white bread with mayo. He drank 1,000 calories worth of energy drinks. For dinner, another pound of pasta. Obviously, it was not carb conscious, right? Another pound of pasta and an entire pizza, followed by another 1,000 calories of energy drinks. That's what he ate every day when he was in training. He's six foot four, all right, 165. I'm five inches shorter and 30 pounds heavier, right? And I don't eat no 12,000 calories. He trained twice a day, six days a week. If he was training in altitude, he'd trade three times a day. He would swim on average eight miles in the pool every day. On top of that, he lifted weights three times a week. There's a story about him practicing from 1998 to 2003. This is when he was just starting out. 1998 to 2003. In that five-year span, he missed two practices. Two practices. One, because he has a, had a dental procedure and his doctors forbid him to practice. He couldn't go to that. The other one was there was a storm and he physically couldn't get to the pool. It had closed the way to him. He said, if it was my birthday, I was in the pool. If it was Christmas, open some presents, get in the pool. If it was Thanksgiving, eat some turkey, get in the pool. For five years, that's how he trained. He was in the pool. I think guys, I don't know about you women, but I think guys have this idea of we would love to be the sports star. We would love to, to have that and do that and everything like that. But... How bad do we want it, right? Are we willing to train like that or even just train hard for that? How bad do we want it? How do we face setbacks and opposition? All the little things that tend to derail, derail us. Phelps didn't let any of that get in the way, and that's probably why he was as, as, as successful as he was. Well, in the text that we just read, Elijah is Elisha's mentor. 
Elisha is the, the protege, the Padawan, if you're into Star Wars. And he has been, he's been that way for, for some time, going back to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, right before this, right before this, this passage in 1 Kings 19 is the time that Elijah faced off against the 450 prophets of Baal. Do you remember that story? They each had an altar. They called on their gods to send fire down and consume that altar. The, the 450 prophets of Baal were yelling, were screaming, were cutting themselves, and they called down and nothing happened, right? And then Elijah says, hey, soak this altar. Soak it. So they soaked it twice. They filled it up. Man, there's water all over. And Elijah prays and the fire comes down, right, and consumes everything. And, and the people around there realize who the one true God is, right? An amazing high for Elijah, and then if you remember from a couple sermons ago, a few sermons ago, we talked about the amazing low that followed that with Elijah. Here is Elijah, the prophet of God, who has just gone through that experience, right? And then Jezebel says, hey, I'm going to have you killed, and comes after them. Elijah flees for his life, runs into the wilderness, and, and what happens? Remember, Elijah wants to die. He's like, oh, I wish I could just die. Well, angel of the Lord appears and speaks to them and, and tells him, hey, you need to eat. Eat, go back to bed. And then get up, eat again, because you, you need to take a trip. And Elijah then moves on to Mount Sinai. You remember this part? And this is where he has this encounter with God. Do you remember the encounter? Man, it got really windy, right? Really windy, things started shaking. And the Bible tells us, though, that God wasn't in the wind, right? Then there was an earthquake, and the mountain shakes, and rocks start falling down. And the Bible tells us that God wasn't in the earthquake. And then fire comes down, right? There's fire. And once again, God's not in the fire. Where was God? The still, small voice, right? Somebody needs to hear this. Isn't it awesome that God gets close enough to us to whisper to us? God gets close enough to whisper to us. My friends, you and I have to cultivate the quiet because sometimes we miss the whisper. Sometimes we're so distracted in life, so busy doing things, vegging, watching Netflix, that we don't hear God. We have to have time in our lives that we set apart to just be quiet and, and be in his word and listen to what he speaks to us to be in prayer and talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. He will talk to you. I remember as a teenager, I remember as teenagers thinking, God doesn't talk to people. He's never talked to me. I've I was never quiet, though. I was never seeking that out. I was never looking for that. He will speak to you. If you don't hear from God, he will speak to you. He will speak to you. Man, praise team. Thank you for your ministry. He will speak to you through people through his word, in many different ways. If you cultivate the quiet, if you listen, cultivate the quiet and get one-on-one -on -one with God. You married people, how much does your relationship with your spouse benefit from those times that you are quiet with them, right? When you remove the distractions. 300 million people in this country, and you put all of them on hold just to focus in on your spouse. How does your relationship benefit from that? It was amazing when you go to restaurants and you see two, a man and a woman sitting at a table and they're just on their phones, not even speaking to each other. 
What a great opportunity to just focus in on your spouse and speak to them. Get alone. Make the time. Make the time for your spouse. Make the time for those important relationships that you have with friends. And certainly make the time for God to spend one-on-one with them. So God speaks to Elijah, and one of the things that he calls Elijah to do is Elijah to do is plan for his successor. He tells him to call Elisha. All right, Elisha, Elijah's fear is that he's all alone. That that's what when this is happening before with the prophets of Baal and Jezebel, he's like, man, I'm the only one. Have you ever felt like that? I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one that's putting forth an effort in this relationship. I'm the only one. And God says, no, 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 you're not the only one. I've got seven thousand prophets. 7,000 people who have not bowed their knee to Baal and are serving me. And they says, go call Elijah. He's going to learn from you, and he's going to eventually take your place. So 1 Kings 19.19, 1 Kings 19.19, so Elijah went out and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field. Do you get that? Twelve teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the twelfth team. So here's Elisha plowing with twelve teams of oxen. My, guy, my friends, this is a rich farming industry. This is a rich farmer that he is a part of. All right, It would be like twelve John Deere tractors going through a farm field. If you saw that, you'd be like, wow, this is quite the impressive operation. And from his position it, it's portrayed that he is actually supervising them. So this is his family's business. He's in a position to supervising all of these. So he's likely the one that's going to take over this, this farming industry. That's what Elijah is looking at. The text says, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. So something that you need to understand here, all right? Elijah was a little weird. All right, just a little weird. Um, you know how people thought John the Baptist was weird? The guy who had the camel's skin clothes and ate the wild honey and, and bugs, right? Because he was so weird and because they knew Elijah was so weird, all right, people thought that John the Baptist was actually Elisha, Elijah come back. They, they equated the weirdness. So uh, Elijah's a little bit different. We're only given one physical description of Elijah. It's in 2 Kings 1. There's this king named um, Ahaziah, and he got hurt. Elijah comes and delivers this message to the king's men, and he says, hey, the king's going to die. Pass that on. All right, and so the the messengers come to the king, and and they tell him, hey, the the prophet said you're going to die, and the king's like, what did the prophet look like? And so um, they tell the king, he's a hairy man that wore a leather belt. And immediately the king yells, ah, Elijah, I knew it, all right, because they did not have a good relationship. So the only thing that we know about him, he's hairy and has a belt. So I'm picturing Chewbacca, (laughs) right? He comes up to Elisha and mantles him through his mantle across Elisha's shoulder and then walks away without saying anything. Back then, though, this would be a sure sign that Elijah was inviting Elisha to be his protege and to come with him. So, what do you do when a big hairy man with a belt comes and mantles you? What do you do when you had your life all mapped out 
You knew what you're doing. You're good at it, I'm sure. And you're going to be successful. And it's going to be a really sweet gig for the future. And then somebody throws you a curveball. What do you do when, when you have the choice to let all your plans go out the window or play it safe and easy? What do you do when God calls you to that? It's a risk, right? And so the question is, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? The guy was a farmer. That's what he knew. I don't think he probably ever thought about being a prophet. He's probably been farming his whole entire life. He knew that's the direction he was going, and all of a sudden a prophet comes and calls him. Total change in direction. He's got wealth, secure future, and all of a sudden God comes and asks him to throw that all out the window. What would you do? Cushy job? Well off? Or hard work? Right? And a lot of uncertainty. That's the choice that he's looking at. What if God said to you, quit your job and be a missionary? What would you do? What if you were close to retirement? What would you do? I think that's kind of what Elisha is facing here. What would you say to that? Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen, here's the answer, and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast the flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Now, we fast forward kind of, and Adria read towards the end of Elijah's time on this earth when Elijah would be taken up in the whirlwind. And then it's just Elisha walking with Elijah's mantle in hand, right? It seems like a short event or a short time period. He's asked to be assistant, fast forward a couple pages, and then he's, he's actually taking Elijah's place. That tough decision seems like it paid off right away, right? When you're reading the Bible, he's the prophet now. But what I want us to realize is that there are a lot of time in between those two events, a lot of things happening, a lot of, a lot of times that Elisha would have to prove himself with tests. It wasn't quick, and it wasn't easy. There's a good bit of time. Commentaries that um, I looked at say 10 to 18 years between these two events. 10 to 18 years from when he was called to when he eventually becomes Elijah's replacement. 10 to 18 years where he's the servant, the assistant. He slaughtered the auction. He burnt the ships, though. There's no going back, right? I wonder if he, if he expected that. I wonder if he expected one to two decades of being a servant. I wonder if he thought, man, yeah, I'm going to do this in probably two to three years. I'll, uh, I'll be Elijah's replacement. And I wonder if the, as the time went on, he was like, man, did I make the wrong decision? One to two decades later. How many times do we give up on something? Because it doesn't happen in our time frame. It doesn't happen. It doesn't play out the way that we thought it would play out. And we're waiting months, years, decades. How many times do we give up? What's he doing for these years? We know he's the assistant 
right? There's one verse that gives us an interesting glimpse and happens after the passage that Adria read in 2 Kings 3, after he takes Elisha's, Elijah's place. There were these two kings going to battle. And these kings were marching their men for seven days, and they get to this place where there's no water. And they're wondering, what can we do? And, and one of the kings says, is there no prophet of Israel here whom we may inquire of the Lord? And one of the officers responds with this. Check this out. Elisha, son of Shaphath, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. That's the description. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So that's what people thought of Elisha. Yeah, there used to be this powerful prophet here, but now he's left, and the guy used to pour water on his hands, he's here. For 10 to 18 years, for one to two decades, that's what Elisha is known for. The officer identified him with that occupation. He, he poured water on the hands of a great prophet. Not very prestigious job. Again, I wonder if he thought he made the wrong move. 12 teams of oxen to, hey, Elisha, my hands are sticky, pour some water on them, right? We're in such an instant society. My friends, you and I are microwaves, right? And, and God's a crock pot when it comes to how, they do, how he does something. And it's frustrating, right? It's frustrating, but there's a method, there's a reason that we have to trust him with. We, we don't want to work for things. But my friends, we have to realize that there is a time between sowing and reaping. There is a time between the anointing and following through with that. Do you remember when David was anointed? Right? David's anointed. He spends the next couple of decades in a cave or hiding from Saul before he's made king. He's anointed. He's told, you're going to be the next king. Right? And then he spends 10, 20 years living in caves. When that happens to us, a lot of times that frustrates us and we give up. We, we tap out. And we end up missing out. We miss out. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? All right, so the first things I want us to realize is there's often a delay, a period where God needs to mature us during these, between the, the sowing and the reaping. He needs to teach us. He needs to make us stronger so that we are prepared to be in that position that he is calling us to be in. He needs to prep us. He also wants to see if we're committed. Are you really committed to this path? Because I need somebody that is committed to go down this road. It's not going to be easy. Second thing, you got to fight through discouragement and keep going. Not only does he have to deal with the decade or two, right? But on the final day when Elijah was going to be taken up, three different times, Elijah said, stay here. i got to go further. Just stay here. How weird is that? Hey, I want you to follow me. But on the final day, I want you to just stay here i got to go on. It's been a good run. I'm about to get out of here. You just stay here. Stay here at Bethel. Stay here at Jericho. Stay here. Every single time, though, what does Elisha say? As sure as the Lord lives, 
I will not leave you. Right? That's commitment. I told you. I showed you when I slaughtered those oxen and burnt the cart, right, and passed out the meat. You got me pouring water on your hands? I'm good with that. I'm committed. I'm here. Whatever you want, I'm following you, though. And I bet that each time Elijah said, stay here, and Elisha said, no, I'm going to keep on following you, I bet when weird Elijah turned around and started walking away, there was a smile on his face because he passed the test each and every time. That's what these instances were. They're tests. They're tests. Hey, here's your way out of serving. Take a minute to think about, do you want to keep going on this path and keep doing what you've been doing, or do you want to return to that nice, cushy job that you had? It's a test each and every time, right? How bad do you want it? The road to God's dreams are filled with tests. Think about Abraham, right? Man, he just wanted a son, and God told him, God told him, hey, you're going to have a son. And it didn't happen for 10 years. And he ended up kind of messing up in that respect. But then finally God gave him that son. And then what does God do? God says, give him back to me, right? Sacrifice him. It's a test. Abraham passed that test, though. Matthew 15, it's an interesting account, man. I used to always read this and be like, this doesn't sound like Jesus. This doesn't make sense. Matthew 15, Jesus leaves Galilee and went to Tyre and Sidon and encounters a Gentile woman who came pleading to him. Her her daughter was possessed, right? What's Jesus do? The weirdest thing. What's Jesus do? He ignores her. He ignores her. Not even a word. That's not like Jesus, right? That doesn't line up with the Jesus that we know. Jesus was not rude. Jesus respected women. Jesus elevated women, especially in this time period. All right, for him not to respond and just to ignore her. And then the, then the disciples come along, and they're like, let's get this woman out of here, right? Verse 24, Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came, though, and knelt before him, and she said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Jesus, right? That sounds pretty rude and insensitive. She responds, yes, it is, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. You have great faith. She passed the test. She wanted it bad enough to stay in there. Three different opportunities to turn away. Three different opportunities to leave. Opportunities to get offended. Hello, Americans. An opportunity to say, man, I tried that Jesus thing, but he was just rude, and I'm out of here. No, she wanted it bad enough. She passed the test, and her daughter was healed. Why is the training program so difficult? Why does God almost always give us a calling and then take us into the desert? Because he's preparing us. He's testing us. He's developing us. 
so that we have the type of integrity and faith that it will require to take that stand in the future, to carry on with the work that He's called us to. He wants to use us, but He's got to mature us. He's got to prepare us. He's got to get us to a place where we are dependent on Him. In the Navy SEAL training, I've heard that there's always a bell you can ring when you're training. A bell tormenting you, calling to you the entire time. You can ring it. The pain can end. You can get out of it. Right? There's a way out. You can stay in Bethel. You can stay in Jericho. You can stay at Gilgal. You're tired. You've been, you've been serving in this church for 60 years. You can tap out. You can ring the bell. You put in the time. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? A lot of times we use excuses when we're asked to do something. Man, I'm, I'm just too busy. Right? I don't have time. I'm not qualified. Hmm. Stay here, Elisha. Stay here. This is a way out. Man, I can throw a pity par- party for me. I don't know if you guys are good at that. But I'm pretty darn good at throwing a pity party. Is that the type of person that God is going to entrust a dream to? One that's going to take hard work? A position that's going to take a ton of integrity? Is he going to give that to a bell ringer? No. He's not. Would you, when you step into what God calls you, there will be times that you want to quit. I guarantee it, man. This has been a season for me that I've wanted to just step away from. I asked my wife, I said, how do you think it would look if I step back from being city manager to be a pastor and then I step back from being a pastor? And she said, hope you don't mind, we'd have to move. <laughs> right? I, I'm, a, I'm just telling you, man, there, this has been a discouraging season for me. Man, I, I see the weight that are on people and what they're dealing with. And we're calling people to step up. And so many people are saying no. It's discouraging. And I'm like, man, church, step up. Help out in any way that you can. Don't just come here. Man, if you want to just come to a church, go to somewhere else. We need people that are, that are going to take it on. And I know there's things going on in people's lives. I, I realize that. I know you, you've got battles and you've got things, but, but if you can help out, step up and do it, right? Make it a priority. How bad do you want it? Going forward, I pray that we want it bad because it's going to get messy. It's going to get ugly. There are going to be setbacks. There are going to be disappointments. I worry about the people in the church that say yes to a lot of things. I worry about them getting burnt out. We're, we're blessed with an awesome church with a lot of people that say yes. We are. How bad do you want it, though? Elisha keeps following. But then what happens? The prophets show up, right? You know your leader's getting taken away from you. Thanks. What's he say? 
Please be quiet, right? Thanks. Be quiet. You know what they're giving? Unhelpful comments. Unhelpful comments. Do you have somebody in your life that gives you or likes to give you unhelpful comments? Yeah. Hey, James, you know you're, you're really thinning on top? Your hairline? I've had people tell me that. Thanks. Please be quiet. Right? How about you? You're carrying a bunch of stuff? And somebody says, you look like you got your hands full. Thanks. Be quiet. Right? A lot of commentaries think that these prophets are speaking out of envy because Elijah didn't pick them. They're the ones standing with their hands in their pockets while Elisha and Elijah are doing all the work. People are great at pointing what you're doing wrong and why aren't we doing this and they're just standing around with their hands in their pocket and it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You're trying to do your best. You're trying to move things forward and it's just discouraging. Sometimes that's a spirit in the church that that we have to be very careful to guard against, right? You know what I learned about being from a city manager? Good lesson I learned. Turn the volume down. You don't have to get into it with those people. You don't have to listen to those people. You don't have to talk to those people. You don't have to give them a place of authority in your life, a place of position in your life. I, I guess you listen to them, but, but learn who to trust, right? Learn who, who to allow to speak into your life and, and focus in on the creator of the universe and what he's saying a lot more than what those other people are saying. Focus in on that. Elisha had to push through the distraction. One commentary points out that the prophets were actually trying to get him to quit and join them. That's what people like to do. If they're not going to go to that level, they just want you to quit and come down to their level. Push through that. No, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. He crosses over with Elijah, and then there's one more test. This is the big test. Elijah says, what do you want? What do you want? That's an open-ended question. How do you answer that? Let me first point out, he wouldn't have got that question if he quit, right? So by pushing through, he gets to the place where he gets that question. But what do you want? That, that question speaks to his heart. What's, what's on Elisha's heart? What, do you, what does he want? Does he want those prophets to shut up? Does he want something to happen to those prophets? Does he want wealth? Does he want fame? If God offered you anything you wanted, what would you ask for? How many times have you prayed to, to win the lottery? More money? Fame? How about just comfort? How about just some comfort? To get to where God wants you to be, you're going to have to pass through your human desires. You're going to have to pass through to what the things you're naturally drawn to. You're going to have to confront what's on the inside, and you're going to have to die to that. You're going to have to die to your desires. That's where it gets tough. That's where it gets hard. And not just one time. You're going to have to live a life where you constantly die to those desires and instead live for Christ. How do you push through that? How do you push through that? This day with Elijah was all on purpose. Not only was it filled in tests, but, but Elijah took Elisha to certain places 
because they were important, all right? They start off in Gilgal. This is where the 12 stones were. Remember when we were going through the Joshua series? Remember Joshua series where they, where they crossed the River Jordan and they pulled those stones out of the middle of the Jordan and then sent them up on the, on the land, right? So that every time that they see those stones, that they would be reminded of what God did in their lives. This is a place where they moved out from the wilderness and into the promised land. It represents where things start. That's why they started here. When you're pushing on to where God has called you and things start coming against you, go back to the beginning. How many of you have had a relationship issue with your spouse? When that happens, go back to where you started. Go back to your, the wedding day. Pull that tape out. Watch it. Go back to that time that you were dating. Remember what you would have done for their spouse. Remember how much you loved your spouse. Go back to the beginning, right? Pastors are encouraged to go back to their call. Go back to the time that God called you. If you're called for something, that's where you want to go back to. When the stuff starts coming against you and you're discouraged, go back to why you're doing what you're doing. Go back to the beginning. Do you remember when God saved you? Do you remember when God took that weight off of your life? Do you remember how you felt when you first came to know the God of the universe, when he first spoke to you? Go back to that point. Amen? Amen. Remember it. Next, he takes him to Bethel. Bethel speaks of prayer and encounters with God. This is where Abraham encountered God. He built an altar there and he called out to the Lord. This is where Jacob dreamed about a ladder that that rose up to the heavens. This is where people encountered God and worshipped God. When you get down and you want to ring the bell, go to that place. Go to that place and listen for the whispers of God. Carve out that time for God. Put some worship music on. Go to the worship night, right? And let God speak through that. Open up your scriptures. Open up the word of God and let him speak to that. Quiet everything else out. Man, last night, that was it for me. Before the worship night, I over, so I'm making coffee, and I, I make one pot, and then I make the next pot, and I forgot to change the coffee, all right? So it was really weak. So I took the coffee grounds out, changed the coffee grounds. I poured the coffee in there, forgot to empty the coffee pot. Coffee went all over. Lydia comes running, Dad, there's coffee all over. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it was just one of those days. We had somebody out at 4 a.m. messing with our church parking lot, doing what they did out there. Just one of those days. And I slammed the coffee pot clips back there. And I'm just getting madder and madder and madder. And that whole time that we're praising and worshiping God, my head is just not in it, right? Until the last song. Until the last song. And God spoke to me and reminded me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Get to that place, right? Next up, Jericho. We talked about Jericho when we looked at what had happened a few sermons ago. God gives Joshua the worst battle plan known to man, right? March around the city with the high walls. March around it seven times on the seventh day. March around it seven times and then yell. That was the plan. Seriously? That's the plan? Right? But that's where the Israelites experienced the first battle and their first victory in the promised land. That's where God did all the work, right? 
Go back to Jericho. Do you remember when he answered your prayers in a mighty way? Do you remember when he asked you to do something crazy and you didn't understand why you were doing it, but you did it anyways, and God did an amazing work through that? Do you remember those times? Do you remember when you had that wall up between you and somebody else and God broke down that wall and restored that relationship? Go back to those times. The last place was the Jordan River. On one side of the Jordan River is the wilderness and death. It's where Moses died. And Elijah brought him to that side. This is where Elijah wanted Elisha to end his journey and be the last thing that he was reminded of. And it's significant because the crossing of the Jordan River in the Bible signifies a type of death. It always signifies a type of death. A death to self. A death to doing things your way. And instead, living for Christ. If you're going to get to the finish line and finish well without ringing the bell, the only way you're going to do that is if you die to yourself. And it's not a one-time thing, as I said before. You're going to have to do it daily. You're going to do it multiple times. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. That can't happen if you're living for you. That cannot happen if you're living for you. And frankly, this is where a lot of Christians are stuck because they're not willing to make that step or maybe they make that step and they don't realize that they've got to continually make that step. Elijah asks, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He's asking for twice the pouring out of God on him. Why? I think he realizes he's not in the place that Elijah is in at that point. And so he's going to need twice the help. He recognizes that. What a great prayer. What a great prayer for us as we're rebuilding, restarting. If if he's going to be Elijah's successor, if it's going to be on him to pick up that burden and to carry on in that mantle for this great prophet, right? He's going to need twice the help. He's going to need God pouring out into his life. If we're going to carry on, I hope that's where we're at. We've got to be desperate for God's Spirit to lead us. Help us. Guide us. That's the only way we won't buckle, right? Elijah goes on to do twice the miracles that Elijah does. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? In 1976, three men started a company. Two of them you probably know, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. The third you may have never heard of, though. His name was Ronald Wayne. The company? Apple. Boo, right? Sorry. All right, Jody. Just kidding. Three founders. Ronald Wayne was in his 40s. The other two men were in their 20s, though. So, so Ron is kind of the businessman. He's kind of the mature adult in the situation. And he cashed out a year after the company was started. He cashed out a year after the company got going. He said, I just can't be a part of this. I'm out. All right? He sold his 10% ownership for 800 bucks. 10% ownership of Apple for $800. Why did he leave? Because he thought Steve Jobs was a jerk. Temperamental, unpredictable, did not treat people well. He said, I can't do business with this guy. I cannot be in bed with that man. And so out of principle, he walked away. 
today Apple computers, Apple, I'm sorry, Apple is worth $2 trillion. Fast math, 10%, $200 billion he gave up, right? 10% of ownership of the company. There have, there have been a time in my life where I would said, man, what an idiot, right? Boy, you, you missed out. And maybe you think the, the point of this is how bad do you want it? You should have stuck with it. But, but that's not it, right? He sold out, walked away. Ronald Wayne is, is very much still alive today at the age of 86. He did an interview. He was asked, what do you think of your decision now? If you could go back, would you do it differently? And he said, and I quote, I am totally at peace with my decision to walk away from Apple. And I've never had a regret never in life regretted that decision one moment. For if I had stayed with them during the Apple Corporation phase, I would have ended up the richest man in the cemetery. Steve Jobs died in 2011, and I'm not saying because he died because he was a jerk or, or anything like that. Um, he's on record as being a jerk. Brilliant, but a jerk, right? And I'm not saying that's why he died. But what Ronald Wayne was saying is that if he would have been in that kind of situation, been in that kind of climate, it would have killed him. It would have taken him out. And so he walked away from that. Why? Because he wanted something else. He wanted something worth more than money. How bad do you want it? Is it worth giving up everything for? Jesus put it this way. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his very self? How bad do you want it? Whatever it is that God has for you, a calling, a leadership role, a servant's role, whatever he's calling to you, how bad do you want it? Would you stand with me? Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to push through, to keep moving on, to keep serving you no matter what test or trial, whatever comes our way, whether it's a sickness, whether it's another person speaking doubt into our lives, whether it's our own heart, right, that questions what you're doing. Lord, help us to be patient. Help us to keep moving forward. Help us to keep trusting you. Lord, call us. I pray that somebody doesn't know what their spiritual gift is, that today you would reveal that to them and that you would help them to use it to build your kingdom. Lord, I pray for the new people that are going to be in positions as a result of this voting. Lord, would you give them wisdom? Lord, would you give them a direction? Would you give them the tenacity, the perseverance to keep moving through and on to what you'd have them to do? Lord, help us Help us to put the most important things first and foremost in each and every one of our lives. When it comes to our kids, Lord, help us to realize how important it is to raise them up in you and to make that a priority over everything else. Lord, I pray that each and every person in here, we wouldn't be too busy to spend time with you in the quiet. Help us in that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Do we have the results?
Are you reading? Am I reading? What do you want? I can get it. I got a microphone. All right. All right. So for church board, we have Doug Lillo, Lee Moyer, and Debbie Smith. Man, that was, there are one point in between actually a lot of those people on that list. So those are going to be our new board members. If you're on the board, we're going to meet right after and just talk about when we can meet in time. So um, come up front here right after this. SDMI, uh, that is a yes for Brenda Daniel. NMI, that is a yes for Alice Winnington. And NYI, that is a yes for Jody Tackett. SDMI board. Um, we have Katie Hall, Adria Slaughterbeck, and Andy Nadolist. Katie Hall, Andy Nadolist, and Adria Slaughterbeck. And then de- delegates to District Assembly, Avery Pomerich, yes, Deb Smith, yes, Cliff Smith, yes, NMI delegates, Katie Hall, yes, Doug Lillo, yes, and Nancy Lillo, yes. All right, so any questions or anything like that? All right, I just need a motion to adjourn, if I could get that. Somebody want to make that motion? Jim, in a second? All right, meeting's over. Thank you all. Thank you for everybody that, that was willing to step out and run. And if you are on the church board, uh, stick around. If you can help out in any of those things that I mentioned, let me know. All right? Thank you. God bless.